The opinions expressed on questions you didn't ask are those of the individual participants and do not reflect those of their respective employers and institutions. Welcome to Questions You Didn't Ask. I am your host, Naisha Frey, and this series titled In the Shadows, Navigating Homelessness, Veterans, and Incarceration, we are honoring veterans and shedding light on the housing challenges many of them face. We will also discuss the intersections between veteran homelessness and formerly incarcerated people. Why? Well, these are people who are often marginalized due to policies and structures that impede opportunities for them to attain their highest level of health, which by definition is a health inequity. Some evidence points to African-American race ethnicity, carrying the visible and invisible scars of battle, being more vulnerable to suicide, physical and mental illness, and substance use disorders as all being risk factors for homelessness among veterans. Unfortunately, people who are formerly incarcerated have similar structural barriers to housing that result in disproportionate homelessness for this population. Just in case you're wondering how disproportionate, the Prison Policy Initiative published a report in 2018 that documented formerly incarcerated people are 10 times more likely to experience homelessness than the general public. These populations often experience a chicken and egg effect on homelessness because those who are homeless are often criminalized by the same communities where they cannot secure housing for themselves and thus becoming incarcerated again. Throughout this series, we'll ask tough questions, share compelling stories, and explore pathways to tangible solutions. Join us as we navigate the complex terrain of veteran homelessness and its intersectionality with incarceration. So today we have three guests with us. The first one is Eric Hargrave. Ladies and gentlemen, we're privileged to host a man whose life and career epitomize service, leadership, and impact. Hailing from Round Rock, Texas, he is the driving force behind Hargrave Innovative Solutions, a testament to his unwavering commitment to affect positive change in his community. Having dedicated 21 transformative years to the military, he has donned many hats, from instructor to recruiter, sports coach to substance abuse control officer, and many pivotal roles in between. His extensive training and mindfulness has not only allowed him to harmonize with himself post-retirement, but has also empowered countless others to optimize their performance and nurture positive workplace cultures. It is with great pleasure that we welcome the founder and CEO, a true advocate for homeless veteran community and an embodiment of resilience and dedication, Mr. Eric Hargrave. That was an amazing introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you're an amazing man. Thank you for being here with your colleagues, one of which is Mr. Dennis Fauntleroy. Mr. Fauntleroy is an exceptional and dedicated nonprofit executive director leading the way at Fountain of Life Ministries. His unwavering commitment to the organization's nonprofit objectives is truly remarkable. 
as he tirelessly spearheads faith and community-based services while ensuring the morale and welfare of the organization remain a top priority. As an ordained elder in the Church of God in Christ, his service as the president of the Kansas Southwest Missions Department in the Jurisdictional Assembly highlights his leadership within the church community. He continues to serve as president in the local and district assembly, indicating his ongoing dedication to the church. In addition to his church involvement, Mr. Fontelroy serves as the president of Dad's Care 2, a support and advocacy group for fathers based in Wichita, Kansas. This role demonstrates his commitment to supporting and empowering fathers in his community, which is essential for strengthening families. His extensive involvement in organizations like the Kansas Family Advisory Network, the Wichita State University School of Social Work Advisory Board, and his role as the fatherhood and kinship navigator for the Kansas Children's Service League showcases his commitment to family and community welfare. Elder Fontelroy's role as an advisory consultant for Dads with a Purpose, an organization aimed at teaching men how to effectively father the next generation, highlights his dedication to promoting responsible and involved parenting. The organization's approach, which involves building relationships on both micro and macro levels, demonstrates the importance of engaging with individuals at various levels of society to bring about positive change. Furthermore, Mr. Fontelroy's role as co-chair for the Family First Prevention Services Act in the Wichita region shows his commitment to advocating for systemic change in family services, further emphasizing his dedication to the well-being of families and children. As a father himself and resident of Wichita, Kansas, with his wife, Taita, Dennis Fontelroy's personal and professional life exemplifies a deep commitment to his community, family, and the betterment of society as a whole. His extensive involvement in various organizations and initiatives speaks to his passion for making a positive impact in the lives of those he serves. Welcome, Dennis Fontelroy. Thank you, and good morning. Greetings from the field. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being here. And for joining us also is Dr. Benjamin C. Bell Jr., who is a longtime resident of Des Moines, Iowa. He is the proud husband of Julie Lorraine Bell, and they have been married for 41 years. Now that des deserves an applause. He and Julie have parented five wonderful children. Their children have given him and his wife 13 beautiful grandchildren with one more to be born in February. Bill has made his career in restoring, implementing, establishing, and sustaining systems to give underrepresented youth and families the tools for success. Bill is a highly skilled community advocate with a demonstrated history of working in the nonprofit industry. Bell co-founded a nonprofit organization 20 years ago alongside his business partner, Keith Meeks Sr. Dads with a Purpose was established. Their vision at DWP is to assist men with building sustainable families. Bell is also the fatherhood outreach director for the Des Moines YMCA, in addition to holding the position of chaplain at the Newton Correctional Facility. 
Bell and his business partner have overseen three transitional homes in the city of Des Moines, two for men and one for women. They also have one transitional home in Mason City for men. Bell often says there is intrinsic value and worth in all human beings. Our job is to locate it. Partnering with community-based organizations, the Department of Human Services, pastors, police officers, politicians, and the Department of Corrections are all key partnerships that aid us in helping people build sustainable families. The world is a better place when people believe they have the power and responsibility to create safe communities. Bill has built some very strong allies in Texas and Kansas who provide innovative and ongoing motivation in his life. He is modeling what the next generation will mimic. Bell earned both a PhD in philosophy and a master's degree in community from Isaiah University, Orlando, Florida. He holds notable certifications as a life coach, second chance youth program facilitator for Des Moines Public Schools, National Partnership for Community Leadership Trainer, Community Sense Parenting Facilitator, and Fatherhood Facilitator. Wow, what a wonderful, wonderful bio and introduction of Dr. Bill. Thank you as well for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you and, of course, my partners, Eric and Dennis. Wonderful guys. Yes, indeed. Well, let's not make our audience wait any longer. Let's jump right into this conversation with our first question. And first thing that I'd like to ask, and I'll start with you, Dr. Bell, tell our audience how you came to focus your time, talent, and treasure on issues of homelessness among veterans and people who were formerly incarcerated. In other words, what led you to this work? Sure. When I was a, a little boy in Des Moines, uh, my home city in which I still reside. Uh, my mother was a cook at Drake University. And prior to that, after that, she moved on to the VA hospital. So I got a chance to see her serve people in this interesting kind of way. Mm -hmm. uh, as a cook at Drake, I noticed one day when I was there, we used to, we used to call it busting suds. Uh, my mom got me a job there uh, washing dishes at the college. <laughs> and I noticed that she took a black garbage bag and put a bunch of lettuce in the bottom of it. And then I saw her take this quart-sized device and scoop the cottage cheese out of it and put corn, steak, and then potatoes on top. And then, then she put the top back on and she, she dumped it in the bag. And I saw her do like seven or eight different ones like that. And wow. I saw her take it out to the back. And she put it next to the dumpster and tied it up. And I saw these college kids going around the corner and wow. getting those out of there. And I said, Mama said, what are you doing? I said, you know, that that's illegal. And she said, son, these kids, they can't afford the program mm -hmm. or the school, but they can't afford the food. Mm -hmm. And so I thought if one woman can affect, affect that population that way, surely as I grow older, I can do something at least that small yet great to touch people. So I've always had this funny eye on who can't get access, who can't do it and why, what are the barriers? Those mm -hmm. kids need education, but they weren't eating. Mm -hmm. And so then she was a youth leader and she always told me that I was no better or worse than anybody. 
that I should live life by decisions. And so my entire life, I've done that. And then when I got older, you know, I went to the United States Marine Corps and I ended up in Los Angeles, California on the weekends. I just saw a lot of pockets where people were struggling. And I thought, if somebody could just be like my mom and do what they can to help. And so all these years, I still see that little four foot nine young lady I call Chocolate Thunder. All right. Putting that food in there. And I, that's what I'm doing. I'm putting the food in there and getting it to the people that need it by services and tools that I can offer. And so it's just that that drove me all my life. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Dennis, what brought you to this work of addressing the needs of people who are homeless, veterans and formerly incarcerated? So like like Pastor Bell, I I grew up in a situation that um, showed me my, my father was a pastor. And of course, my mother, his wife, preached out three churches down in the country, Parsons, Fredonia, and Iola, Kansas, small towns. So I'm a, I'm a country boy. But like Pastor Bell's mom, they always did mission work. Mission work wasn't something that was very glamorous. It wasn't very something that they talked a lot about, but they were always helping people who couldn't help themselves. And, you know, I was just that little church boy. I was tagging along all the time when daddy went by himself and he mentored young preachers and Mm -hmm. throughout the community. And back in the seventies, you know, the whole, the the culture was similar to what it is now. Mm. Uh, And I learned the emphasis on how to utilize the systems to be able to help people. I had to unload those 18 wheelers, those trucks that were coming down Mm -hmm. from the city to to those small towns to deliver grocery boxes and, you know, the, uh, the government cheese and the powdered mm-hmm. milk, and you know, all of that stuff I was dumping off uh, to these people in these smaller areas. So mm-hmm. missions has always been a part of my life as I've gotten older and, and Christ came down and picked me up like a baby boy and saved me and delivered me from alcoholism and, and, and drug abuse mm-hmm. back in 94 it became clear to me that this was I to do. This was what I was designed to do. So I've been working with homelessness for a lot of years, doing the, you know, basic, let's feed them, let's, you know, give them a little something here and then walk mm-hmm. away. My, my cousin Eric came up to me and we were talking one, one day about this military thing. And we started talking about how we can impact the veterans. You know, when I came out in the 70s, Vietnam War was over, so I made mm. it a choice not to join the the military because I didn't like what I'd seen on TV in the 60s. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to this season of my life, and because my son was in the Navy and he came out and he just wasn't the same kid, so mm. I began to, to from an internal standpoint, want to understand what these veterans were dealing with and how I could help them with, of course, my own son, you know, so I can maintain a positive relationship and learn how to to deal with these brothers and sisters. So that's how we've gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. And as the house manager of, of his house here in Wichita, Kansas, 638 North Broadway, I've learned a lot, you know, from from these cats and, and these females on what it's what life on the streets coming out of uh, the military is all about. Mm. If you notice that I say some old man things, it's because I'm kind of oldish. <laughs> you know, understand that. We're picking up what you're putting down. Go right ahead. <laughs> so it, it led me to this. Here I am. I go hard in the paint for Jesus out in the, in the mission field. And so oh, that's, that's what we're great. doing. 
with these brothers and sisters that uh, are veterans. I also served and uh, have done about 20 years in prison ministry. And mm. one of the young men who I was mentoring down in Winfield came out and he started uh, Working Men of Christ, Spencer Lindsay. Mm. And so when he got out, his guys, he started transition home. So I began to do Bible start, study, of course, and work with him. And I serve on his board, served on his board to develop these transition homes throughout the state of Kansas and, and mm. Missouri. I think they also have contacts in, in Nebraska now. So been doing prison ministry for about 20-something years. So learned a lot from, from folks who have gone through tough times, made tough decisions. And, and like Bell, you know, my daddy, Mama Nam, told me, you ain't no better and you ain't no worse than nobody else. So if you have the opportunity to help somebody, you do that because that could be you. Amen. Amen. Wow. These are inspiring stories. Eric, I don't know how you're going to follow that up, but just speak your truth, brother, and I'm sure you know, it'll be fine. You know, I I, I I um am honored to be not only led and mentored, but trusted by such phenomenal men that have been in this field for so long. You know, sometimes I say, what am I doing here? Right. Young guy mm. deciding to do these things that, fr quite frankly, we don't have to do. Right. Growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, grew up in, you know, in a household, close knit family, but always being held accountable for myself and my actions throughout my life. Growing up there wasn't easy. It wasn't the best streets to grow up in. But we survived not only because of not only because of, you know, just having a good household, but being being held accountable, making sure that we make the right decisions and that those decisions are our own. Fast forward, you know, joined the Marine Corps in 1997, and it was a, a, a shocker, but it was, for me, a curious venture to learn all I could learn. I was given the platform, you know, you get free food, you get a free gym and free education. And not only that, the moralistic standpoint not, uh, the Marine Corps stands on and all the services stand on, but honor, courage, and commitment was something that you're bound to as a Marine. And it was an echo of what my mom brought me up on, my dad brought me up on, what my family always reiterated my whole life. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, now they're watching me. And as a Marine, it's, I call it being in the fishbowl. So no matter where you at, you at the Walmart, you, mm. you, know, you, had, you you down, it doesn't matter, but everyone notices you are a Marine and you're supposed to uphold a certain standard. So my drill instructor told me once in boot camp, he said, you represent two things now, you know, on your, on your uniform is your last name and the United States Marine Corps. So now you have two families or two traditions that you need mm. to uphold as you walk out every day. So Taking that seriously uh, every day throughout my career, being there for those that I needed to be there for, leading those by example, learning those leadership qualities and characteristics and implementing them every day of my life. I'm not mm -hmm. perfect by those standards, but those have always been my mark to reach mm -hmm. uh, every day as I, as I go about. After I retired in 2018, after doing logistics and supply and coordinating a lot of events and transporting people across the world, you know, you know, being that coordinator. I learned a lot of skills to be able to do a lot of things. And after I retired, it was, you know, I started Hargrave Innovative Solutions initially to be a government contracting agency, which we still do some of, 
but we just turned our objectives to helping small businesses learn how to do government contracting, teach 501c3s and nonprofits, people that are doing community objectives, how to build out good business plans and to Mm. sustain over time. Taking some of those same skills, what led me here is that I have the ability to do it. All Mm. of those skills and gifts needed to be given back. So giving back in, in that way, we marched upon this His House objective, which we are trying to solve the affordable housing solutions, which are different in each community. Each culture is different. So it's a challenge to be able to 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 meet this, not only for ourselves, but for a bigger cause. You know, we, we all have a obligation to be there for one another. And as I've seen in each of these communities that I've been in, in New Orleans, in Austin, I've been stationed in all these different places, and it's some of the same problem. People that are in need aren't being tended to. Mm-hmm. Um, we're taught in the service never to leave anyone behind, and they're being left behind. People mm-hmm. that are dealing with mental, mental health trauma, people that are dealing with substance abuse and suicide and all of these things, which I personally had to encounter as I retired and transitioned. But overcoming those things is just a change of the mind, empowering mm-hmm. ourselves to know that we have the power to change at any moment. We just have to decide to. And being having a good support system, creating mm-hmm. a construct to where they have that support, people that are pushing positive messages to them, giving them opportunities to thrive, give people the opportunity and they will show you who they are. We just have to give them the mirror and say, hey, here you are. You are the best thing since sliced bread. And, and you know, you, you can do whatever you want to do if you mm-hmm. put your mind to it. So seeing that change in people is, is it, it uplifts me. It gets me up every day. It lets me know that that people like Dennis, people like Dr. Bell have not been working all of these years and, and dedicating their lives for nothing. We we can make a change if we just all collaborate, do what we can, do what you're doing, getting voices out there. It's all a part of God's message. It's all mm-hmm. a part of, of getting people to where they need to be. And I'm glad to be a part of it. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So I'm going to ask a question because you all have talked about your respective places that you're at, the organizations that you lead. Tell our audience, and I'm going to start with you, Eric, just kind of piggybacking off of what you already said. Tell us about the specific program services that you all offer individually and collectively. I'll start with Eric that address issues of housing and and how they specifically speak to the needs of people who are formerly incarcerated or who are veterans or both. So one of the services that we we offer is uh, we work with uh, Veteran Affairs. We work with the agencies like Salvation Army, the uh, Catholic Charities, different agencies to send us the people that are chronically homeless, Mm -hmm. um, that are having these issues. Some of these people are veterans. Some of them are civilians. Getting those people into an environment where they are part of a program. We have ministries there to get them to where they need to be, whether it be a job that they may need, whether it be some mental health services that they need. We have a group coming in to do brain diagnoses for the individuals so that we can pinpoint the problem and then work towards a solution. So it's the, the goal of his house is to have a one-stop shop where they get the services where they live. 
you know, growing up in, in the in my house, you know, you had a support system in the house, not outside the house. Mm -hmm. um, you had, you know, people looking after you every day, seeing you and holding you accountable every day. So building that camaraderie in, in the house, we have 12 apartments in one facility and all of them, you know, stay within there. They all see each other every day. We have a house meeting for them every week. We address those issues with them real time by letting problems fester. So the services we offer is, is that family that's created, the camaraderie, that esprit de corps, try to get that going again with, within the house so that they can help each other grow because they've been there for one another. They've mm -hmm. fixed things on the house. They've contributed back to program in one way or another, uh, giving each other rise to different places. And it, it, it definitely changes the dynamic of where they're going and not being stagnant where they are. And we're partnering with multiple organizations in the city to give them the services, other veteran organizations to give them things like bedding, different things that they need, necessities that they need. We're also partnering with churches so that they can come and do ministries there. Where we're located on 638 North Broadway is right in the smack dab middle of where they have this homeless problem. And we picked that location through much prayer <laughs> and through much patience because it's a, a building that was remodeled. It used to be known as a house that good things didn't happen in. Mm. Uh, but our goal was to change, let that be a light on the hill so that other people see that there can be change in the midst of all of this mess. Yes. Um, but implementing things like security cameras, holding them accountable to curfews and um, certain visitor restrictions, give them a better quality of life is, mm -hmm. is the goal. I mean, once they see better, they do better. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. And tell us again the name of your organization and the housing project that you're running. So the name of the housing project is His House. Mm -hmm. So it's a collaborative objective between Fountain of Life Ministries, which Dennis is uh, the founder of, and also the other partners, Dads Care Too, excuse me, and Dads with Purpose in Iowa. So building a, a good, strong construct uh, for his house and Hargrave Innovative Solutions is, a, is, is my company. We all team together to build this solution for affordable housing. So their success over in Des Moines, Iowa, with the houses, the transition houses they've had, the success of Fountain of Life Ministries and, and what they've done there in the community, what they've drawn together and, and our capabilities at Hargrave Innovative Solutions, pulling all those together to make a good construct for his house uh, because it is God's house. And we want to make sure that it is organized accordingly. Amen. Well, I just love that because it, it and I'm going to I'm going to turn it on over to Dennis so that he can share with us his part of the wheel. Right. Some of the work that I used to do at Duke was bringing groups together that were all concerned about the same issues of health equity, recognizing that different groups had different tools and resources that can be brought together and organized in such a way to make a bigger impact. And what we were also looking at was to how we could start to fill some of the gaps that were left behind by individual limitations, right? So as individuals, we all have limitations, but when we work together, we can start to overcome those limitations by pulling on the strengths and drawing on the value that, that partners bring. And so now I want to ask Dennis, 
tell us more about your organization and specifically the programs and services that it offers to address the needs of veterans and people who have been formerly incarcerated. So Fountain of Life Ministries, we were formed in 2015 as a result of working with men who were coming out of incarceration back in 2008. That's Those are foundational timelines that, that we have. Fountain of Life Ministries was the next level of developing men to understand their value, to understand their influence, to understand their roles, their responsibilities. And these are things that have you know plagued our communities for four or five generations when the mm-hmm. family dynamic was really attacked. Mm-hmm. And our fathers were uh, moved out of the intrinsic family unit. So that's the crux of the issue that we focus on as we deal with these men. And so we wanted to develop a system that would ensure that the services and resources that men need to become who they are, who God created them to be, they had access to. They were moved back into their, their the system, their families, their loved ones, and to learn and relearn and unlearn how to be the pivotal part in their families. Obviously, our, our culture and our society has been so beat on, you know, in terms of everything being, it's all about me. Coming mm. up in the 70s, you know, I, I, I got out there and I heard that, but also knew I came from a family of 15 kids. Wow. So I was always connected. Mm-hmm. And so as I uh, matured and began to see the effects of uh, families being fractured, I just knew that we had to go after these brothers to get them to understand what I had learned from my dad, from older preachers, from older men. And so fast forward to his house. As I began to think about what Eric was sharing with me in his journey from the military, now back out into the community, realizing that a lot of these things are the same, but I had not really thought about that. And so when we developed the, the, the strategy to build this model, I brought all of the curriculum and training and thoughts and, and strategies that we had from Dad's Care too into this realm. As Eric was talking about what happens in the house, my constant encouragement to them is live the example. Because as men, you know, we want to and we should be living the example for our children, for our society. Yes, being an African-American male, being a mm-hmm. black man in today's society is tough and we have a lot of uh, challenges, but uh, we're built to handle this. God created mm-hmm. us able to handle and to problem solve. And a lot of the issues surrounding our homelessness and men and women who come through incarceration is are those lack of problem solving skills and seeing themselves as able to solve these problems, focusing a lot on blaming on uh, it's all about the man or it's all about this or that woman or this or blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. It's all about how can I change where I am? How can I affect where I am? And that starts internally with understanding mm-hmm. who he is, who God is, and being able to, to recognize that. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll go there. Without him, I can do nothing. So to start the day knowing that I can do what he's given me the ability to do mm-hmm. allows me to think through what I have in front of me for today. 
and not only for today, but how it impacts tomorrow, next week, next year. Mm-hmm. So the end game is to be who we are. Mm-hmm. And from a relational standpoint, I should, you know, be able to lead my wife, by mm-hmm. example, not having to explain or, you know, browbeat or whatever. But those relational issues that we have, we mm-hmm. should initiate. The Bible says that we are to deal with our wives according to knowledge. Not that we know more, but we should know her tendency so that we can be proactive in loving her and leading her and and, and walking together so that Mm -hmm. we can be effective as a couple and as leaders of a family. So Mm -hmm. these are the things that we're pushing into or reminding these men at whatever state they're in Mm -hmm. that's what they were designed to do. And all of the things that go through uh, during our house meetings are, are really designed to remind them because these are old dudes these are old dudes like myself and they probably heard a lot of things but we needed to be reminded that you know your discipline your responsibility your accountability even when i'm not there they should have integrity integrity doing things the right way whether anybody's there or not mm-hmm. doing I, I should i don't have to 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 sit on their shoulder for them to do the right thing. So they need to clean up after themselves. They need to take care of themselves. Something needs fixed. They need to take the opportunity to fix it. We don't need a a lot of excess people to do what we're designed to do. So Mm -hmm. over the, over the time that we've been open and we've had some, some struggles Mm -hmm. and uh, had some issues that y'all pray for brother Dennis because yes, I say, but uh, you know, (laughs) You know, every day is a new day, right? So, we, uh, and sometimes I have to, I have to treat them like that. You know, men have to be treated like men. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't treat them any any other way than I treat anybody. I treat everybody the same. I love everybody, and I'll tell you that. But my expectation is for you to be the best that you can be. Mm-hmm. Learn to problem solve, and think about somebody else and not just yourself. Thank you for listening to the new series of Questions You Didn't Ask. Join me, your host, Naisha Frey, and my guest, Mr. Eric Hargrave, Mr. Dennis Fontelroy, and Dr. Benjamin Bell. Next week, as our conversation, In the Shadows, Navigating Homelessness, Veterans, and Incarceration continues.